Oh, wait. I need to allow you to record, eh? Yeah, thanks, babe. Um, I keep doing the smelliest parts. Can you make sure you edit that out? <laughs> I'm going to put that in at the start. Welcome you back. You do that as the oh. intro. Yeah. Welcome back to the <laughs> I keep doing the smelliest parts. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> Are we going to catch up, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you recording? Yeah. Welcome back to the Femi Pod. This is episode number 19, and you have myself and the incredible Esther with me. How are you going, Esther? How's your week been? I know you've been racing a lot, and you did a time trial last night. Yeah, week's been good. I uh, I did an 800 time trial last night, and I was really happy. It's probably one of the best uh season openers for eight that I've done in a few years and I think I uh, smashed the cobwebs out of having a bit of PTSD there with the 800 meter so I was really happy and uh, I I got told by my coach when I arrived he was like we kind of talked about it before but I, I assumed he would get a pacemaker but then he wasn't able to so when I got there he's like are you happy to still lead it out and I was like oh crap okay and then so I went out probably a bit too quick so I did like a 29 second first 200 when I should have done a 31 but we ended up going through the 400 at the right pace so it worked out well and it was like a real real fun night and with my group that I trained with and a couple of other really good young junior they're not junior but they're young um and amazing runners coming through so that was really fun and then uh I just talk about that race that we kind of talked about in the other podcast about facing your fears. So I did that race down in Wellington and I did it. I ran with the front group, but it didn't go as well as I wanted it to, but I was really proud of myself after for like putting myself out there and, and making sure that I put myself in with a chance, even though it didn't end up, I guess, with the result I wanted, but that's fine. Uh, and then apart from that, just been working hard and training and flopping around, uh, <laughs> very exciting times what about you Liz how's your week been yeah it was so good to watch you do that race and just go hard like I think I was so impressed with your tenacity and that you just like put it all on the line it's awesome and inspiring to see so although it wasn't the result that you were after I think you should be proud of yourself for getting through it and just yeah taking a different approach to racing I think all of the races that we do are all amazing experiences no matter like what the end result is so I think it was awesome very inspirational. I am good. I am still a Noosa. Um, I have been really enjoying the training, although it's been really hot and humid up here. I think I feel like I'm going through a bit of a spiritual journey with my training and my running at the moment and trying to, I know I've talked a lot about, you know, um, not having these goals and races in mind. And yeah, although like I am missing having that um, motivation to be training towards a race I actually am enjoying running and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and really just connecting with myself um, in my runs I have been training a lot by myself but I think it's been good for me I used to run a lot by myself when I was back in New Zealand and then ever since I moved to Australia I've spent a lot of time running with other people so it's been nice to just connect back to you know myself my true self like the thoughts that go through my head when I am out running um, there's some pretty 
crazy revelations that happen when you're out on a run by yourself. And I love that side of running and I think I have missed it a lot. So it's been fun. Um, but other than training and running, like life is good. Work is really busy at the moment. We're working on some pretty exciting projects here at Femi. So we are very excited to get those out to the world very soon, but um, that's definitely keeping us extremely busy, which is good. <laughs> yeah. So this week on the pod, we wanted to talk about how and why we want to change the fitness industry. Um, the fitness industry is one of those things where there are many uh, positives to obviously encouraging people to exercise and train, but there is a lot of negatives that come with that as well. And we at Femi really want to change the narrative around how women especially are approaching fitness and approaching their fitness journeys. And we think we have um, a responsibility to be able to inspire and encourage girls to to approach fitness in a really holistic, sustainable way. Um, and we think the way that we are working with our females, we are able to do that and we hope to do that even more so um, as we continue to build Femi. So let's start off, Est. Where do you personally think the fitness industry is at the moment? I think predominantly the fitness industry is focused around aesthetics and the way people look. So I think when I see most sort of like big gyms or I guess apps or uh, fitness platforms that are out there. A lot of it is to do with, with aesthetic. And then for me, I know that in the past, if I've trained to like look a certain way or fit a mold, it's always felt like punishment. So I think the fitness industry is way too focused on the way people look rather than the way exercise makes us feel. Uh, so I think that's probably number one, the issue that is out there at the moment. The number one issue is that it's way too much about aesthetic and forming a certain body type or getting abs and uh, whatever the goal is, like a six pack after six weeks, you know, things like that. You see taglines everywhere at gyms. And I think that needs to change because like I said, exercise isn't so much there to lose weight. There's so much more to exercise and what it can do for your body long-term and your mind. So I think that's probably one of the real big issues at the moment and where the fitness industry is at, fitness industry is at. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think about the fitness industry and what that umbrella really covers and, you know, running is part of that fitness industry. It is a sport. Um, it's obviously about getting fit. Um, but I, I, I think the comparison of like a running journey compared to someone who's trying to get fit in the gym, I think about that comparison and that approach to the different realms of fitness. And I think when I think about running, you are going out there, you're kind of obviously basing a lot of it on your stats and your data because we're fed the information every single time we go for a run now. Um, but a lot of it is also to do with how you feel, right? When you step into a gym for the first time and you're maybe that is your first step into your on your own fitness journey, and you get a personal trainer, the first thing that that personal trainer would usually do in a gym, unfortunately, is put you on the scales and weigh you. And like, that is the worst thing that you could possibly do for a person. And I think that is telling that person who's this is their first step onto their fitness journey, that the reason that they're on this journey, it's telling them that the reason they're on the journey is to lose weight which is so wrong. Like we are not here to lose weight. Um, uh, yes, that can may come as a byproduct of you getting into fitness and exercising and training and running or whatever that may look like for you. But if, you're, if your approach to getting into the fitness 
industry or going on your fitness journey is to lose weight, it will be so unsustainable for you. Um, and it will not allow you to build a really sustainable and healthy relationship with exercise. And I think that is what is really wrong with the fitness industry is that they blast, they blast this idea of losing weight, you know, looking a certain way, building some specific aesthetic that society is telling them that they should have and pressuring people to buy into programs, buy into gyms, buy into products that is going to make them look better. Um, when at the end of the day, it should be so much more about how you feel and doing training and exercise that's built for you to your, phys, uh, to your physiology, to allow you to feel really good in your body versus like seeing something specific in a mirror, because that's what society is telling you, you should look like. So I think, there's so much to unpack here. Um, I yeah, definitely have many um, grinds about the fitness industry, but it's also a huge opportunity and that we hope to change, you know, that narrative and that approach to bringing people on this fitness journey and getting them fit in a way that actually works for their bodies. Definitely. And like you said before, fitness should be part of a lifestyle and it coincides with you feeling good about yourself and healthy but when you have the only association of your fitness journey being that I'm here to lose weight or to look a certain way if you don't reach that goal you're not actually even going to enjoy it you know we need to look at the positives in your mindset and the positives in how you can make new friends and socialize with people and feel good in your body rather than the way it looks because then you're going to create like a positive relationship with it and want to do it forever whereas I think people are desperate for results to lose weight or to you know drop three dress sizes or something and then essentially that's all training is for it's no longer actually for that mental uh mental health reasons and for making friends so I think changing that whole script in the fitness industry will make it more of a long-term thing for people. It wouldn't be just a short-term eight-week challenge. It's going to be something that they want to do for the rest of their lives. Totally. And I remember having an argument with my ex-boyfriend <laughs> about <laughs> this whole conversation because I remember trying to explain to him the approach that people take to running specifically um, and how we as coaches really want to build that really sustainable approach and relationship with running. And to do that, you need to focus on how it makes you feel. That's the most important thing that you can do to build a sustainable relationship with something. It's all about how it makes you feel. Whereas he was trying to explain to me that people get into running because they want to lose weight. And of course, some people may feel like they need to run because they feel like they may, to, may need to lose weight and that's completely fine. But if that is your approach to getting into running and it's all about weight loss and what you look like, you're never actually going to be able to build that sustainable relationship because you're focusing, you're starting your journey into running on a really negative, for, uh, a negative step. You know, you want to build really positive connotations with running about, it makes me feel really good. I ran for an extra two minutes today, you know, my heart rate was around this, whatever it may be to you that you see gives you that like lightenment around running. But when you start your running journey of like, oh, I need to lose five kilos in the next two weeks. So I'm just going to go smash myself and run. You're never actually going to fall into a really positive relationship with the sport. So we ended up in an argument about that and that was great, but um, <laughs> I definitely <You> won. <laughs> I think Femi, what we're trying to do is allow females to, you know, we would never 
tell any of our athletes to step on the scales and weigh themselves. We don't want to know what you weigh. Um, we don't want to know like how you feel when you look in the mirror. We want to know how you feel when you get back from a run and those endorphins that are rushing around and the progress that you see in your training and how good you feel week after week and month after month. That is what we want to focus on. And that is, I think, what every um, sport or fitness uh, industry, is that the right word? Every, yeah. every sport or anything that involves exercise in the fitness industry should take that similar approach because it is sustainable. It allows people to feel empowered in what they're doing and create really positive relationships with exercise. Definitely. And I think even like what we were talking about just then and what you were saying, how it's kind of like you do it to lose weight. It creates like this complex of it being more of like a punishment. And I, I think that's why people also get addicted to high intensity stuff and exercise that makes them smash their bodies. And I guess it's kind of almost in a way a punishment or they then think that they can eat food or um, gives them, I guess, some feeling of like fulfillment. But I guess when you get that sustainable relationship with, with running or training in general, you know how important rest is to actually get better. But I think because when you're obsessed with losing weight and you do it for that reason, people also are like, well, more is better then. So I'm going to smash my body in the gym or I'm going to smash my body on every run when that's actually not how you get better or fitter. It's actually uh, probably the opposite as well with holding on to weight. Your body's going to be stressed all the time. You're not going to have the recovery that you need. And so it's kind of like this, this cycle where you're like, desperate you know you're doing it to lose weight so you punish yourself with overtraining and then the results will never ever come in any aspect of either fitness or weight loss if that is your goal which hopefully it's not it's so true I think when you are focusing on the wrong side of exercise and training you do make decisions that aren't even right for your body and for your physiology and I think when you start to take more of a training approach where it isn't just about smashing yourself in the gym to try and get the six pack that you know that magazine or someone on social media has told you or made you feel like you need um you actually start training to your body and adapting your training to make progress and make decisions that are right for you that allows you to feel really good in your body take the rest when you need the rest listen to your body and um yeah I think that's where the progress comes, whether it's in stats and data and numbers on the road or on the track, or whether it is, you know, if, if you are focusing on your body, you'll get the results through that, through making the right decisions for your body anyway. So yeah, you're totally right that there, it is a vicious cycle that a lot of people are stuck in, but um, I don't blame them in the way that societies make them feel like they need to be making these decisions where they are going, you know, as hard as they possibly can every single day to try and build some sort of body that social media, media, society, the fitness industry itself has made them feel that they need. So why do you think the industry is built around weight loss and fat, fat shaming? Like, where do you think this even came from, Est? Uh, I think like when I think back to, myself when I was younger and we talked about this like why I sort of started restricted my restricting my eating when I was younger it's definitely because of like preformed beauty ideals ideals and like what we're what we're fed throughout our whole sort of junior years which forms what we believe to be beautiful for me anyway there was only really representation of one body and like it was like a skinny tall model or someone who was a runner was skinny and lean 
and they were the best runners. And so therefore for me, that's what like formed my ideals of like beauty. So it's really sad to say that, you know, so many bodies were underrepresented back in the, back in when I was growing up. I think we've seen some positive change in that, in that world, you know, you, I've seen uh, different brands bringing on, you know, curvier models or uh, more diversity in their models. And same with runners speaking out about their body types and being more confident in the fact that maybe, you know, they don't have the, whatever typical runner's body was before or believed to be. Uh, and they're still absolutely amazing athletes and some of the best in the world. Uh, so I think, yeah, that's like really affected, uh, the way that I see beauty and like, uh, I guess why a lot of women probably would want to lose weight is because what they've been brought up with and what they've seen around them. But I think the more we can change what we see. So if you, I don't know, own a business, or if you've got, uh, uh, like a social media, making sure that you represent all body types and, uh, have a really diverse range of people that you're showing to the world. I think that's going to make more women feel represented and then be okay with whatever size or whatever they look like. Cause it's really hard to change something you've been fed your whole life. Cause it's in your subconscious, you know, it's like there, that's what beauty is to you. And that's because we've been seeing it our whole life. So I think that's probably a really big factor into why so many people want to be skinnier or think that skinny is beautiful. Uh, but it definitely is changing and it, we're seeing progress, but I think that's a really big part of it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like talking about social media and the impact that is having on young girls today, like it's so scary and so dangerous. And I think about the power that these influencers and especially influential trainers have, um, you know, the responsibility those girls have on other females health is scary and I I think about some of those training platforms and apps that are around today and when we think back to like it was probably about eight or ten years ago these um training I guess resources and platforms that were built back then that were more around ebooks than actual apps about being you know bikini body guides and making girls feel like they need to train in a specific way to get a body that is good enough to wear a bikini and how um dangerous that that is you know I remember seeing those girls on social media 10 years ago and all I wanted to do was look like them you know and I definitely and here I am as a you know elite athlete thinking that I should be changing my training to be training that the way that these girls are training so I can look like them and deserve to wear a bikini and like that is just so sad and so so wrong and these girls have just got such power over people and the decisions that girls are making for their own health I think so much needs to change and let's be honest there has been change and there has been a shift in the last I would say five or six years around how they are approaching um, female and female training but what we don't understand I think what especially young girls don't understand that a lot of these influential trainers that have huge platforms on social media and have their own training resources and platforms are genetically blessed these girls are born to look a certain way and it's not the training that's making them look a certain way yes the training and exercises potentially helping them but it isn't the training that makes them look like they've got the big booty or you know they've got the small waist and we need to understand that just because these girls do high intensity training all the time and they look the way they look 
doesn't mean that you should be doing high intensity training all the time to look the way they look as well. You will never look the way they look. <laughs> I will never look the way these girls look, no matter how much I train. And I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> I just need to say something like, I don't think I'm fat. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't look unfit at all, but I'm never going to have the same body as some of these other, you know, trainers that are out there. So it really is a dangerous place to be when social media puts or portrays this message and ideas that these girls are doing specific training and getting specific results, which is a body that society is telling young girls that they should be having because girls and people are basing their decisions on how they train off what someone else looks like when their genetics are completely different. And the idea of doing high intensity training every single day to build a body that's worthy of a bikini is so bad and so wrong because we hopefully all know now that high intensity training all the time is not good for us, especially as females. We should only be doing high intensity training, you know, one or two times a week. Um, and then really focusing on rest and recovery, which I think a lot of these influential trainers are just not pushing that fact. And I think when we do speak away from like, I guess, tech and apps and fitness platforms and bring it back to grassroots like stepping into a gym it blows my mind now that it still happens that when you walk into a gym you get weighed and you get asked what your goals are and if those goals are mostly based around like losing weight that is what your trainer is going to focus on and those are the words and the connotations that your your trainer is going to use when she or he is approaching your training I just think that whole idea needs to change and needs to shift and it should be so much more about how the athlete or how you feel um, in your training and the progress that you want to make in both your mind, you know, and your physical fitness, not what you look like when you look in the mirror. Yeah, it's so true. And so many gyms and uh, like, yeah, big gyms that have those, you know, challenges where they tell you to do a diet or to follow a fad diet for eight weeks you know, diets don't work. I think pretty much every single person, I think I was looking at a meta-analysis of like diet success and pretty much everything, like I think the overarching result was that people put on half the weight they lose. So it's not sustainable. And again, it comes back to those gyms pushing quick fixes on people when there's not enough research, especially around it for women and it coming back to the fact that it's unsustainable. So they want to thrash you in the gym. They want to thrash you in your training. And then they tell you to do this unsustainable diet alongside of it. You lose the enjoyment factor in life and it's just unsustainable, you know? And I think that people are desperate for quick fixes, but exercise and being healthy is not a quick fix. It's a long-term thing and you need to find enjoyment in it or you're not going to do it for long-term. So I think those sort of like challenges and oh, lose eight kgs in eight weeks or do this and do that. They're not sustainable. They're not going to make it fun and something you want to do long-term and diets just don't work. Like they're proven, they just don't work because they're unsustainable for people. People still want you. We still want to be able to enjoy our life whilst training and when you do it like that you're just not going to have that enjoyment of life anymore yeah and I think the saddest part of all when we speak about the fitness industry whether it is you know dieting or um, specific training or apps or platforms that you're buying into it's all built about 
around making money. You know, the fitness industry has become so monetized to the point that it's sacrificing people's mental health and it's profiting off people's insecurities. And I think that is just so sad because where is the humane side in that? You know, like people are just trying to make money because by making people feel bad about what they look like. Um, I think we just really need to understand and try and educate people on, you know, these quick fixes, whether it's a diet or a specific high intensity training session in itself, or it might be a specific training program. Um, that is not the way to build a really sustainable relationship with exercise. And it's not a sustainable way to get the results that you're after. Anyway, you will fall into fluctuations of potentially losing weight. And then like you said, putting it back on anyway, and then spending more money to buy into another diet or another training program to then lose the weight again, to then put it back on. And not only is that hurting your wallet, it's also hurting your health as well, especially for females and your hormonal health. It is not sustainable and it's not healthy. So we need to understand that there is so much money in the fitness industry and people are there to make money from it. Um, and people are selling you products, whether it is in training or nutrition to make you feel better about yourself when actually at the end of the day, if you can build that sustainable relationship with exercise and with training yourself that is the best way to do it um, whether it is in running or going to the gym or playing a sport building a sustainable relationship that is gradual it is basing decisions off your physiology like your menstrual cycle and deciding to do training sessions that actually suit you in your lifestyle with considering all the other stresses you have going on as well that's where the beauty comes. That's where the results come. That's where the progress comes. And at the end of the day, that's where the happiness comes. So understanding that there's so much money um, floating around in the fitness industry and that's what people are doing is, is hopefully an unlock for people to understand no, like that product, I don't need that product to lose weight. I just want to um, go out and go for a run and feel really good and get those endorphins and do that, you know, three or four times a week. If you're someone who's more experienced, do that every day and get those endorphins and build that relationship and build your fitness in that sort of way. That's kind of like the long-term approach to it. It's so true. And I think part of the reason that this stuff is still going on and you were touching before on like uh, obviously some some female social media uh, influences, but then there's also the side that uh, the fitness industry was male dominated for so long. And they're using research that was done on men on high intensity interval training and fasted training when now we know, and only recently we know that for uh, women in their reproductive years, that's not good for us, you know? And like for so long, we've been told that we should be training like this. Like I even got told by a coach that I should do my runs in the morning fasted, all of them, even up to an hour and a half. And now oh I've been I know, talking to, listening to Sarah Whittison, our dietitian, and everyone basically that knows anything about female physiology and the reproductive years, that that is not good for us. And I think what's happening still is that there's these programs coming out that are based on that research that was done on men and given to women. And it's just another example of like the shit we have to deal with. Uh, and overcome as females and, and we have to dig dig deep and find the truth ourselves and that's what we're doing at Femi we're hopefully making this knowledge uh, more global so that more women can realize okay well actually that's probably not right for me and it doesn't follow along with my hormonal fluctuations and it's not the best training for me as a woman 
So I think the more knowledge we can get out there, the better as well. And that's probably part of the problem. A hundred percent. And I think about like my fitness journey, you know, I've obviously been running since I was a kid, but I remember the first time I stepped into a gym and I would have been about 12. I'm not kidding you. 12 years old, 12, 13 years old. I was going to the gym every morning because I had this pressure on me that I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to get skinny. And through those 12, 13, I got my period when I was 12. So that was, you know, as I was coming, going through puberty and I was going to the gym every single day. And I remember the first time I stepped into that gym, the trainer literally putting me on the scales, you know, and weighing me as a 12 year old. And I remember I would have been, I don't know, 49, 50 kilos or something. And my friend was a couple of kilos um, less than me. And immediately I was like, all right, well, I need to lose weight. And like, that is just such a bad approach to fitness. That is such a bad, no wonder I suffered, you know, disordered eating and body image issues as a teenager and going into my twenties when I was such a young kid getting put on the scales and my weight being there on right in front of me for everybody to see and being heavier than my friend, um, you know, that's just such a, such a bad approach. And I guess I think about other instances in my life where I have had this mentality of like thinking I needed to look a certain way or being told I need to look a certain way, especially when, you know, my ex running coach grabbed my stomach at one point telling me that I needed to lose a certain amount of weight to run a lot faster. Um, there's been so many times like that in my life where I just, I guess um, I look back now and I, understand the impact it had on me at the time I don't think I probably understood it as much and I just think about you know um, other people going through that and not just in running but in their own fitness journeys whether whether they're running or just training or whatever they want to be doing um, you know all of that being fed into them especially young girls at such a young age it's so so dangerous so dangerous yeah and that stomach grabbing thing is just so bad like first of all it's inappropriate and second of all you didn't need to lose any weight you're already a fantastic runner and that's the main like what you were trying to go after who cares about the way you look uh but yeah no I have similar experiences you know caliper testing and being told that I was too fat to be a 1500 meter runner and that gave me a complex for probably multiple years (laughs) obviously like I did that video that we posted up so it's only in like the last year that I've even gained the confidence to wear a crop top and that's because of those moments in my life and you know I've been told by people that I don't look like an elite runner because I have boobs which is also completely inappropriate and every woman is different some some of you do high or a lot of uh, hard training and potentially you are um, a, a really high level runner, you can lose your boobs and that happens sometimes. And for me, they haven't, gone. <laughs> yeah. they haven't gone completely. They're still there a little bit. And sometimes I've had men say to me, like, they can't believe that I'm a good runner because I have boobs. And I'm like, that's just so wrong. Like you have zero understanding. Every woman is different. Um, I just, it blows my mind. So inappropriate. So inappropriate for sure. So I guess taking all of this into account and at Femi, we're trying to, you know, flip that narrative and really um, change the script of how we are allowing people to, or females to approach their training journeys. But like, what do you think we can do or encourage other trainers or coaches to do to, you know, change that narrative and create a more positive relationship with fitness and, and training? I think, if you are struggling with like motivation for training or if you're doing it 
motivated by losing weight, I reckon start by trying to take note of how you feel after you've gone for a run or you've gone to the gym or you've done a session that made you feel really good on that day and just start to really dive deep into how it affects your mental health. And like, I guarantee that 99.9% of the time you won't regret the fact that you did some exercise because of how it makes you feel. So I reckon like step one is just starting to like associate those positive feelings that you get after or during training with you wanting to sustain that long-term. And I think that's going to hopefully take your mind away from potentially if you are doing it to lose weight, just try to start to think of it more. Not I'm doing it for my mind because it's made me feel really good and it's made my day feel fulfilled. Even if I didn't do much else, I did that one thing for me. So I reckon that's like a really good first step. If you, if you're really doing it for losing weight, trying to flip that script to how it makes you feel instead. Yeah. And then if you are a coach or a trainer, a trainer, especially when you're in a gym, please never weigh your client, especially when they first step into that gym. That is not the first thing that you should be doing with your client is getting them on the scales. If you're a coach, I would never, I would suggest to never do caliper testing um, or weigh your athletes either. If you feel like you need to be at a point to um, be competitive where, and you feel like they need to be tested with how much body fat they have, offer it to your athlete before, uh, offer it to your suggest it to your athlete before you actually put them in a specific environment where they have to have that done to them give them the option of whether they want to do that or not if you don't give your athlete the option and you force them into a place where they have to do caliper testing uh, it will not make your athlete feel comfortable she will not feel good about herself you know it's an additional stress that's creating anxiety for the athlete that she does most likely does not need so if you um, have you know a a powerful position and you're working with athletes or if you're a trainer and you're working with athletes in the gym making sure you're taking the right approach to their fitness journey and you know putting their best interest at heart as well making sure that every decision that you make and every conversation that you have with that person is based on how they're feeling and rather than saying you know you um oh you look great you're losing weight or you look really fit like come away from those conversations and flip them to oh, you are fit, look at that additional push-up you did this week or look how much faster you ran, you know, this week, uh, this month to, compared to last month. Like, focus on those things that show progress away from what they look like is so important. I just don't think um, trainers or coaches really understand the um, power they have over the people's thoughts and how they feel about themselves. So taking that into account whenever you're working with someone else and you have that, that, that position of responsibility to, um, to look after someone's mental health specifically, as well as their physical health, I think taking all of that into consideration when you are having conversations with your athletes or your clients. It's so true. And that even reminded me, you know, like the other month I was at a training and there was a group of boys with me and a girl ran around the track and she's very, very lean. And they, one of the older men right then in front of me said, wow, she looks so fit. And I didn't really think about it until I left the track. And then I left the track and I said to myself, no one said that I look fit today. Does that mean that it's because I'm not lean like her and I'm, I'm nearly 30. Imagine if you're saying this stuff in front of an 18 or a 17 year old girl who's very impressionable and she 
has never heard those words or she sees what that person looks like when they look fit, whatever that means, they're going to associate that look with being fit, which is not true because I think I'm just as fast as that girl and I'm not as lean and that's fine. So I think exactly what Lyd said, if they had said, wow, that girl is so fit, I would have been like, yeah, man, she is so fit. She is so fast. And then that's all good. I haven't associated it with appearance. It's it's the fact that she is fit. And I think like what Lyd said about changing what you say, especially in, in front of young girls and in a group setting can change the whole culture of a group and putting like, you know, feeling the feeling of fitness and getting faster and that sort of thing ahead of the way someone looks is really important. Yeah. And I think the last thing is like focusing on making decisions, whether it's for yourself or for, um, for your clients or for your athletes, taking into account their female physiology is so important and will allow you to make the right decisions based on how she feels. So when we know her menstrual cycle and what day of the month she's on and those hormonal fluctuations that are happening throughout the month, we're actually able to adapt her training to her cycle and actually prescribe her the training that's going to work to her cycle, work to her physiology and allow her to feel really empowered in her body and in her training. So being able to take all of that into account, you'll stay away from conversations about losing weight or looking a certain way. Um, It'll turn into conversations about how do you feel what day of your period are you on conversations about actually how she feels and building her training around that versus like, Oh, we have to get you to do a high intensity session today because you said, we said that you're going to lose, you know, X amount of kilos by next week. So we're going to have to like throw your heart rate up and push you as hard as you can to build, to burn X amount of calories. Like you can just hear all the negative connotations that are coming with that conversation versus oh, cool, you're on day seven, your hormones are low, let's train you really hard today and get the gains while you're in that low hormonal phase. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to pull it back a little bit. And that's where you're going to make your progress in your training. So being able to change the narrative and change those conversations is so much more empowering for females. It will allow females to feel good in their bodies. It will allow females to actually enjoy their training and build that really, really, as I've said many a time in this podcast, sustainable relationship with fitness. So, yeah, I think, have we kind of covered everything off Est? Yeah, we, I'll just say it without it. Yeah. We didn't talk about the friendship community. Oh, yeah, jump into that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just last year, and I should have said it at the start as well, around like how you feel when you finish a run. I think the other really important thing to create like sustainable relationship with training is like thinking back to all the friendships and or thinking about the community that you've gained and connection with people through your training. So like for me, you know, I met Lydia through running and she's my best friend. And then I have like (laughs) a lot of other like best and amazing friends that I've met through running. And that is enough to make a sustainable long-term relationship for me, like just those friendships alone. So I think like remembering uh what you've been able to gain through friendships and connection for your from your training is really important as well to keep you in it long term yes I love that and I'm so glad that running and exercise and training brought us together and yeah. now together we've birthed Femi so <laughs> look at us love it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to everybody who joined us for this conversation if you want to find out more head to our Instagram at Femi.co if you want to get in touch with us you can reach out to us on Instagram or head to our website at Femi.co as well but thank you for joining us and we will t- chat to you all next week <laughs>